0: The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I really appreciate Chris Brentlinger Grant putting together a show that would uh, fit some of my areas of interest and conversation topics. And we have Nick Pope on the line who formerly ran the British government's UFO project. Nick, my name is Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you I, I've been looking forward to this interview ever since Chris told me he was gonna bring you on the show uh, I, I got a couple of questions just b- maybe before we dive into some of the actual UFO stuff so so you were in charge of the British government's UFO project but how do you possibly get that job like you can't you can't study for that specifically at in high school or university like how, how do you wind up with that job Nick just by luck really it's one of
1: tens of thousands of different jobs at the British Ministry of Defense, and I had been there for several years. I was due for a move, and that particular vacancy just happened to crop up. So it really was just a question of right time,
0: right place. And were were, were you interested in it? Did you apply for it, or were you appointed to it? I was pretty much appointed to
1: it. I was working to the particular manager during the Persian Gulf War. We were both in the Joint Operations Center. He said, I've got a vacancy coming up, and I know that you're looking for a move. I said, what's the job? And he said, UFOs. And I said, okay, I'll give it a go.
0: Okay. (laughs) And you were running running with it. So was there – what was your uh, particular area of of expertise or background that that – maybe made people think you could do it or made you want to do that type of a job?
1: Well, I guess it was the the general civil service skills of analyzing data, being able to take a large amount of information and, and go through it, pick out the the key points and uh, brief it up the chain of command in, in concise, clear language. And I mean, I did about seven different jobs in a much wider 21-year Ministry of Defence career, but obviously this is the one that I'm best known for, and and it was uh, was interesting, and it was fun.
0: Okay, how many people worked with you or under you while you were on the UFO project?
1: Uh, Well, really only uh, one other member of, of staff, helping out uh, doing the admin work but we had a vast network of experts that we could bring into the investigations who were not formally on the team but who could be co-opted so we had we had radar experts, we had scientific intelligence experts if we had photos or videos we had access to intelligence, community, imagery analysis, personnel so it was really a question of, of dipping in and taking, taking the particular Resources and capabilities that you needed for any particular investigation.
0: Okay, so UFOs, what generally are they? Before we start talking about, you know, perhaps visitors from uh, other floating rocks in space, like what, when someone says they, they've seen a UFO, what does it usually turn out to be, if anything?
1: Well, nine times out of ten, the people are well-meaning enough, but they're seeing something that perhaps they're not used to seeing, maybe under different meteorological conditions, and they're seeing aircraft, aircraft lights, weather balloons, satellites, meteors, a whole bunch of, of things. So most of these sightings turn out to be misidentifications of known objects and phenomena
0: so would you investigate every single report you got from whether it was a citizen or a or a pilot or uh, you know you mentioned people monitoring radar like would you investigate absolutely every report and try to figure out what it was almost every I mean in, in
1: some cases when people reported something they'd seen years ago and weren't even sure of the the day there's very little you can do, and in but in most cases, yes. Now, in a lot of those instances, we got the answer very quickly, or it was just common sense. If somebody sees, for example, you know, white, green, and red flashing lights, and and it's over a flight path, you you can pretty much knock that one on the head, you know, within minutes. Uh, but some are more complex, and you mentioned pilots; those cases were often some of the most intriguing ones, because, of course, these, these people were you know, very used to seeing objects and phenomena in the sky. So when you had Air Force or, or um, civilian pilots seeing something, particularly when it was also backed up on radar, that was much more interesting and difficult to, to explain away.
0: Can you share one of or the most mysterious report that you ever had to deal with?
1: Yes, I had a wave of sightings over a series of about six hours in 1993 and a huge triangular-shaped craft was seen over many different parts of the UK. Uh, this, this object was capable of moving very, very slowly, maybe 30 or 40 miles an hour and then accelerating away at, at immense speed. And it flew directly over two Air Force bases. And one of the military witnesses said to me when I interviewed him, he said, Nick, I've been in the Air Force eight years. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And he said it was orders of magnitude above and beyond a military fast jet, both in terms of speed and acceleration. So what do you think it was? there's not much middle ground either it's some secret prototype aircraft or drone maybe our own you know governments obviously got a lot of highly classified deeply compartmentalized programs but also with a lot of this we were always asking ourselves could any of this be russia or china for example could it be the united states so it's either that or it's from somewhere else and we weren't afraid to to think the unthinkable. We we did not rule out the extraterrestrial hypothesis, although we didn't have any sort of smoking gun that would prove we were dealing with that.
0: Okay. Uh, so I, I, I like how you describe that. And I, I, look, I, I obviously don't pretend to be an expert like you are, but I like reading about stuff. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm into science fiction. I watch the X-Files. They did a couple of episodes where... There were aircraft that could sort of move like that and change direction on a dime and and go at these uh, incredible speeds. When did we first start having reports of of those types of of craft? Does it coincide with sort of human beings discovering how to fly and go into outer space and all those kinds of things? Or when does that sort of uh, craft description really start?
1: Well, it's a difficult question. I mean, I, I think you can say fairly safely that people have always seen strange things in the sky. And I suppose ages ago they were um, worshipped as gods or, or feared as demons. Um, you know, certainly the modern UFO era started in 1947 with with the the famous sighting, that, that led to the coining of the phrase flying saucers, and then a couple of weeks later, the Roswell incident, uh, which people are still debating, of course, over 70 years on. But um, it's, it's almost as if every time we get these UFO reports, the technology seems to be, I don't know, just, just ahead of our own. And, and that, that's why we can't rule out the idea that, as I say, we're dealing with some sort of uh, black project, a secret prototype aircraft, missiles
0: and drones. What do you what do you think happened at Roswell? Do you have a theory on that? Not really. I mean,
1: you know, I, I look at these things in the same way as a police investigation. And it's the old adage about the first 48 hours being critical. So and after that time elapses, your chances of solving the the case or hear the mystery, diminish rapidly. So by the time I even got into to this subject with the British government, um, it was decades old, no witnesses left. All I can say, all anyone can really say for sure is that something crashed. I, I mean, there are rumours that, that there are materials still held somewhere in government. If the US government has anything like that, I'm afraid they didn't share it with, uh, with us Brits.
0: Okay. Uh, Nick Pope joining us today on 6.30 chat Afternoons. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Jalen Nye. Thanks a lot for, uh, for tuning in. We're talking a little bit about, uh, about UFOs and what they might actually be. Could they uh, actually be visiting from another planet? Uh, I want to ask you about another specific one here. Uh, the 2006 Chicago O'Hare Airport. Uh, UFO sighting. This was uh, I think about a dozen airport employees thought they saw some sort of saucer shaped craft. I think it kind of came down and then shot back up into the clouds. What did any investigations reveal? And I I know, you know, this was in the United States, but it's kind of a more recent one that, that gets talked about.
1: Well, it's a really fascinating one, and and it's fascinating for a couple of reasons. I mean, firstly, obviously the description itself, but secondly, the cloak of secrecy that still surrounds this. uh, The Federal Aviation Administration uh, kind of clamped down on anyone speaking out. The airlines have a a real difficulty with this subject and pretty much ordered some of the pilots and some of the... um, Maintenance and gate personnel who had seen this thing uh, ordered them not to talk about it. And uh, partly, this is, I suppose, fear that that the public will be a little reluctant to fly if an airline gets a reputation of of you know, people seeing UFOs. Though I don't, I don't think that's a legitimate concern. But back then, I think the subject was was more stigmatized than it is now. Now, of course, in the last couple of years, we've had revelations about this, this secretive program called ATIP, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, run out of the Pentagon. We've had the revelations about the US Navy encounters with ufos and the three videos that have have been released and literally in the last two or three weeks we've had the the announcement that in the u.s the senate intelligence committee has called on the u.s government for a formal report about all this so the times are changing but yeah that that chicago case is still unsolved mystery absolutely
0: yeah, I, I've read a little bit about about that one. It's 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 fascinating, and and you know again how the the aircraft moved would seem sort of uh, I guess impossible given given the technology that that we know about um, at, at least in in the world most humans uh, sort of deal And So th- so these videos that came out recently, and I know they the the videos have have existed for a while, but maybe they got a little bit more widespread play uh, recently. And again, those were like those were pilots that, that saw those, right? They, they were fighter pilots who should know what they're seeing and trust all their instrumentation and everything like that.
1: Absolutely. There are three videos and... Um one of them relates to an incident that took place in 2004 involving the aircraft carrier the uss nimitz and uh the other two come from 2015 but there are many many more videos and yeah absolutely the pilots were essentially chasing these things and uh, filming them on the forward-looking infrared camera and there is No doubt whatsoever. I mean the U.S. Navy and the Department of Defense have confirmed that these are legitimate and indeed on on, I think it was April 27th, as you say these videos have been around for a while, but the Pentagon decided to formally put them on their own website and and issue a press release. So it's official. And they say these objects, the phenomena, are, are still characterized as unidentified.
0: That's uh, that's, that, that's amazing. What, like, what, do you, what do you make of that timing? Like, why now? Are they trying to slowly prepare us for something? Do they just think the public can easier or more willing to accept unknown phenomenon? Do they think it would get brushed under the rug because there's a pandemic going on? Like, what, what's, why, what's the timing of the release say?
1: Well, that was my first thought—that that it was a classic case of the old saying: uh, "This is a, a good day to bury bad news." If something else big is going on, you can slip something out. But then I thought about it again, and it's it's rather mysterious because the, the Pentagon didn't have to put these out. I mean, the the New York Times broke the story about two and a half years ago. Now the videos have been out in the public domain. Governments normally downplay this subject. They either don't comment or when they do comment, they, they try and sort of minimize their interest and involvement. And I, I know because I did that for the British government myself. So uh, putting those videos out when they didn't have to, it's the exact opposite of this normal downplay and debunk it's almost as if they want you to to think about it and talk about it and yeah that that does pose the question why are they suddenly speaking out about a question that for decades they've tried to dodge
0: nick i want to just throw you a couple quick ones off our our text line and and then ask you one to 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 wrap it up uh one texter wants to know are when it comes to sort of you know the average person the average citizen are they generally daytime sightings or are most of these at night where maybe it would be easier to think that it's harder to identify the object?
1: It's a mix. Um, I think what you can say is that the nighttime sightings are are much more likely to have a mundane explanation because, of course, there's all sorts of things going on, whether it's aircraft lights, um, meteors, satellites, things like that. If you see something in the day, it, it you know, usually you can get a better view of it. So it's both, but the daytime ones are more interesting.
0: Uh, Brian wants to know, uh, has the military ever tried to shoot one of these things down?
1: You know, <laughs> a controversial question. There have been a couple of times. There was um, a case in the UK. There was a case in um, where, where a pilot was about to launch air-to-air missiles at a UFO that had encroached into restricted military airspace there was one case in peru in 1980 where a pilot opened fire with his machine cannon and he said the rounds he said he hit the thing but it was almost as if it had no effect and the rounds were absorbed so it has happened but i wouldn't recommend doing it
0: nick i I wish we had more more time i mean this is i find this subject fascinating and it's it's a pleasure to have you on i'll close with this one if these are craft sent here by alien races, whether they have beings in them or not, what do they want? And, and why are they sort of trying to hide the fact that they're here? Like, do you have any, any theories about that? What, what that these other beings potentially could be after if they're, if they're sending uh, ships here?
1: Well, I like to think and maybe hope that they come here as anthropologists to, to study our, our emerging civilization. And that might be why they don't land, you know, in the open and make, make open contact. Because like any anthropological study, I mean, it's almost like the Star Trek Prime Directive. You will only observe a society in its natural um, behaviors when you don't interact with it. So that's what I hope we're dealing with.
0: Nick, this was an awesome conversation. Uh, I I know you've spoken to Jalen in the past. This was a really cool opportunity for me to get to speak with you. I I hope we can connect again down the road. Have a great weekend. Uh, Thank you for your stories. Thank you for your insight. Take care. Thank you. You too. That is Nick Pope talking a little UFOs on 630 Chet Afternoons, and he was telling you how we used to run the uh, British government's UFO project and some of uh, his theories on what people are seeing or maybe